If you're an Android user and you're looking for the perfect podcast app to take to your fake social distance beach trip where you don't actually go to the beach, but instead sit somewhere with, a, I don't know, maybe a drink, a martini. What's a beach drink? Daiquiri. Pina colada, daiquiri, uh, a special beer that makes its entire ad campaign around sitting on beaches that it will remain nameless. A pineapple uh, beer. I do love that there's a pineapple beer. Yeah. Check out the Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store. There are thousands of good reviews, and you can take it anywhere you go, whether that's to the living room, to the bedroom, to the bathroom, or the bathroom. You can do it all with the Podcast Republic app. Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers. And with me, as always, is a man who knows that if you're going to make a high school movie, you better start looking for some competent 28-year-olds. The Macho Andrew. Andrew Lano. And, uh, in the case of this film's villain, a uh, 45-year-old. <laughs> that one, the one that guy bad guy. The, the, the biker yeah, guy. The bad guy biker. Who's not a T-bird? I think what, and they didn't. Ha- they didn't name them. They never named the other gang. There, the Wikipedia gives them two distinct names, and I was like, I don't know where this must be in the novelization of these <laughs> two because it is not in the movie. The R.L. Stein novelization. Um, I assumed that that was a full grown man who, for some reason, inexplicably, was having a beef with an eighteen-year-old boys. I mean, I don't think it makes a lot of sense, but it did feel like the vibe. I was like, why are you 40? Like, bro, you have AARP. Yeah, certainly have better things to do. This is the start of Listener Request Month. And uh, the so normally this is where I say we watch this movie because. Uh, but this time uh, we watched it because it's Listener Request Month. Uh, and this was the pick uh, from Michelle, one of our original Patreon supporters and one of the people in the club that we have not yet named, but the special club of people who got in early and were able to secure a spot where they get to help pick the show, uh, an episode of the show every year. So let's hear it from Michelle. Hey, Tripp and Andrew, this is Michelle, just calling to say I'm looking forward to hearing the annual patron pick of mine, Grease 2, next month. Uh, Grease 2 is a movie that every 80s movie podcast I listen to has covered, except for you guys. So I felt it was fitting that you also should get to do this movie. Plus, it's a musical, which I know Tripp loves those so very much, so this could be for a fun show. Uh, Grease 2 is a movie that I actually originally refused to listen to watch because I was about Grease, and Olivia Newton-John was not in Grease 2, so I was very angry with that and didn't want to see it. And my younger sister, who was about 12 at the time, said, oh, you should watch it. It's pretty good. And so at 15, 16, I'm like, I'll give it a try. And at that age, I just thought it was the greatest movie ever. It was you know, cheesy and fun, and I thought Michelle Pfeiffer was very cool. So it became a guilty pleasure in my older years, and I still will watch it and enjoy it. In fact, I'd probably watch that one more often than the original these days. So I hope you guys have fun with it, and either way, I know it'll be a good episode. Thanks. All right. Thank you so much for that. We really appreciate that. And thank you so much for being such a longtime Patreon supporter. We really appreciate that. We call them the new Coke ad execs. The new Coke ad execs. Hmm. Like, Maybe. they're a thing that Maybe. doesn't exist like it anymore. Like a, it feels like it needs a club-type name. We'll have to work on that. There you go. We did give them a name. When we... Yeah, the tier had a name. Loppers. Yeah, the t- there was the Lopper tier, which is no longer existent. So maybe they're just a Lopper, Lopper Club member. We'll, we'll figure it out. 
Anyway, uh, big thank you to Michelle. If you don't know what I'm talking about, head over to patreon.com slash dissectingthe80s. If you sign up now at the $5 tier, I believe you get like six bonus episodes instantaneously. Plus the commentary track. Exactly. Uh, that I think I was including that in that. But yes, a bunch of bonus episodes on things like Great Muppet Caper uh, and the fun commentary track, Drunkmentary, I guess, uh, Power Hour commentary we recorded uh, on the movie Sleepaway Camp. So you cue the movie up and watch it along with us, basically. It's like you're hanging out watching a movie with I was uh, listening Andrew to that, myself. like, off, like not watching the movie and, like, kind of forgot that it was a commentary track style. Like, I just wasn't thinking yeah. about it. And I was like, wow, Trip did not edit out these gaps in <laughs> between us talking. That's weird. Yeah, there's there's more air in this one than usual. So uh, I've certainly seen some listeners. Michelle mentioned that she was listening to it without watching the movie. So you can watch it both ways. But uh, it does sync up to the movie. So I was uh, excited to see what other people think about that. So go check that out. Patreon.com slash dissecting the 80s. But... We watched Grease 2, so you know what that means. We're gonna go back. We're gonna go dissect the 80s. It's your middling mediocre sequel. Something's gotta be done about your middling mediocre sequel. When the mega powers explode. I'm talking about the 80s. Oh, yeah. Great Scott. Cream of the crop. Oh, yeah. Mega powers, yeah! When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. So I know I keep talking about all the things I'm watching in quarantine, but uh, we just watched Upload, the Netflix show. I've been wanting to get into that. Wait, no, it's it's Amazon, isn't it? Yes, Amazon. It's a prime show. Sorry. Um, I like that guy, Robbie Amell. He did a bunch of like teen stuff when I was growing up. He's Stephen Amell's cousin, which is bonkers because they look like brothers. They do. Like almost twins. But this is the... This Whereas is you and I are brothers Rob- and look kind yeah, of related. Very, vaguely. very, very, very fakely. Like, I guess so. Uh, Robbie Amell is right around my age. I think he's 32. And the character he's playing on the show, much like these folks here in Greece, is alleged to have graduated in high school in... When Uptown Funk was a thing. That song came out in 2011. So, like, maybe... He graduated high school the same year as me? That's what they say, yes. Huh. And I was well, like... 2010. No, he, he has crow's feet. Like, <laughs> stop this. Like, I don't, it's fine. He's incredibly handsome. But I just... It's one of the most baffling decisions I can possibly think of. Because if you write that character and he's that age and then you cast Robbie Mel, you're like, okay, we'll just bump this up. There's one ref- there's like two references to his age. One of them being that song. It's like, just fast forward it five years. It would still be yeah. something that already was out. You could have referenced. Like I graduated bonkers. college when this other song came out. Right. But th- so the point of the gimmick is the two characters are s- in the in the show have similar age because the one is like, oh, yeah, we danced to this song at, at my prom and he can't remember the words to Uptown Funk and then they sing it together. And it's like you could have picked a different song from 2015. Yeah, exactly. And that would have been fine. Or alternatively, a song for when he actually graduated high school in 2005. What song would that have been? Like, what would the popular song from your high school? Um. I feel like it's in the ballpark of like a hey ya. Is that 2003ish maybe? That sounds but it's about like right. it's in Yeah, it's it's somewhere in that vicinity. I could probably get to it if you really really wanted to sit here and listen to me come up with it. No, that's I was curious. 
Yeah, I don't. The big, the big thing that I remember from prom is two friends of mine dancing to that song "Sandstorm." The like, yeah, 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 which is not was not current. So, yeah. But anyway, all that to say, this movie, like so many other movies, casts people wildly inappropriate for the age they're playing. And in this case, it somewhat makes sense because you can't really make this movie not in a high school. So if they couldn't find young enough actors, you kind of got to do what you can. Yeah. But it's just well, like Grease One thing. also had that it thing where like the For kids sure. looked. Travolta looks forty in that movie. <laughs> yeah, he he kind of came out of the. He always looks like he Carrie in Carrie. He looks like he's forty. Like he never didn't. He's one of those people that is one age for an absurdly long time, and then like the spell wears off and he gets old very quickly. <laughs> yeah, like Travolta was forty. He looked from... at his portrait in like two thousand five, yes. and all of a sudden, yeah. Yeah, and then it's like, oh, he starts wearing the wigs and all that stuff. 2005 is probably late for Travolta wearing the wigs. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like he he looked the same age for forever. Like, he looked the same age approximately from uh, Saturday Night Fever in 77, 78, somewhere in there, all the way through uh, Pulp Fiction, which is like 94. And that was him like going, going away for a while, coming back, and you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, he still looks good and then somewhere in there he's just like oh all his hair it's just when, w- when was uh the is it battlefield earth is that the one that's like 2000 ish okay 99 2000 2001 i mean inappropriately grabbing male massage therapists will do that to you i guess i don't know yeah allegedly yeah, maybe yeah or you know keeping up the secret of not being able to live your life to, as who you are for your entire life because of your uh, quote-unquote religion uh, Yes. Well, I didn't want to bring the Scientologists in on us, so I was not going to put the quotes around it, but that's okay. <sighs> anyway, uh, my first reaction to this movie, sorry, Michelle, is I clicked on it uh, on CBS All Access, of all things, and went, holy shit, it's almost two hours. Yeah, it is. Too It's longer too than Grease 1. Long, too it's long. You are not allowed to make a sequel longer than your predecessor unless you are going to win an Academy Award. That is my rule. I, is there? Do you have any like data to back that I up? Think, I think Terminator... No, this is my personal rule. But I think Terminator 2 is longer than Terminator 1, but I'm almost positive T2 won some uh, effects awards. Oh, yeah. They had to have. And if they didn't, they were robbed. So that's fine. Well, it's like I always say. It's the... Pete's Dragon, 1960s. Is Pete's Dragon the 60s or the 70s? I believe it's it's right in the... I think it's the 60s. Um, original Pete's Dragon, two hours long. Pete's Dragon remake, tight 90. I lied, it's 77. Okay, so yeah. But like, you, if you're going to redo something and it's two hours long, don't. Don't do it. Right. Right, there's no reason to. Yeah, what are we doing here? I'm also not the biggest fan of Grease, which like people don't understand when I tell them like, oh, I'm an actor, especially when I was in high school. It's like, oh, I want to be an actor. And they're like, oh, you love Grease. And I was like, no, super don't. <laughs> and the be- the other great thing is when you're uh, when you hire a DJ to do your cast party every effing year, they're like, oh, you're a bunch of high school theater kids. How about four hours of we go together? And we're like. No, we're literally anything else. But I think it's because a lot of people, especially people my age and your age, grew up watching Grease. Like that was their movie musical. I don't think I've ever seen the whole movie. It's very boring. Um, But 
<laughs> Sorry, I, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get so much flack for this, but um, but like I I think it's people love it because they grew up watching it, and sure, I my my grow up watching it movie musical was um was Little Shop of Horrors, so like for me, oh. so Little Shop is my grease, like that's the one I'm like, oh no, that's my ride or die, defend till the end, which but also like that movie is a technical wonder. Yeah, I, I mean, I think nostalgia is obviously a huge factor in it. I think the other thing is Travolta became a huge, huge mega, or, or at the time was like peaking as a huge, huge star. People like Lee Newton John star know. took off. Yeah, both of them incredibly attractive. This was a huge sleepover movie for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, so I think that all those things kind of play into it. And then it became sort of a hand me down movie from especially moms to daughters, I think. Um, I'm, I'm not sure moms to sons or dads to sons as much, but certainly moms to daughters in which it's like a movie you watch together. And there's like four or five scenes where you're like, Oh, I probably shouldn't be showing this to my kid, but whatever. Um, I think that's a big factor too. The thing that struck me in looking it up, um, Greece two or Greece one to, to the original one to check the release date, just as you were talking, um, how much the poster versions of Travolta and Olivia Newton, John and, how much the images of them from that poster are very clearly what the two new people in this movie are trying to be. Yep. And it's, it's so very the same joke as Spaceballs, where it's like, it's the stunt doubles because that's <laughs> honestly what it looks like. Not that, not that neither, not that the people who replace them aren't also attractive in their own right, but it's just so clearly, you know, that they're just like, Oh, make this kid's hair look exactly like Travolta's make her hair look exactly like Olivia Newton. John, but they played reverse roles she was the cool one right right and he was the insecure weirdo um also well just just to make sure i verified so i don't want to get the tweets uh terminator 2 is almost 45 minutes longer than terminator 1 but it did win four academy awards okay there you go that's what you have to bring home the oscar (laughs) yeah that's that's you are allowed to go longer with your sequel, but you have to be a noticeable improvement. And and that was I mean, that was a huge you know groundbreaking thing. I'm looking right squarely at the Marvel Universe, even though I'm not watching anymore. Yeah, I'm, I'm like binoculars squarely on them. Like, hey, hey, if you can turn in a hundred minute, if you can turn in a hundred minute movie, we'll talk. Yeah, people. I'm just like, I can't watch them anymore. <laughs> like you at this point, it's homework. I can't just yeah. go enjoy a movie. I have to do homework and I don't want to do homework for your stupid punching movie. This is how, this is how I, I, my analogy is like, I, you know, you really love a Ben and Jerry's, right? And if you give me my favorite flavor of Ben and Jerry's, I'm like, Oh, this is awesome. Like this is exactly the thing I like, but by like the 10th carton you've given me, it's a twilight zone. episode. I'm like, Oh, actually this is bad. <laughs> this like, is I no hell. Just keep eating. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's me. Anyway, we should talk about Grease too a little bit. Uh, opens with some real middling choreo. I really, honestly, my favorite scene of this whole movie, I think, uh, or one of them anyway, is this really kind of quiet moment between the two teacher, or the, I guess one's the principal and one's like the secretary. Yeah. They're one of the few returning cast members from the first movie. Yeah, there's a handful of returning people. Yeah, Sid Caesar's here. Uh, we'll get to him in a minute. Uh, that nerd he, voice guy whose name I forget. Yeah, he just passed away recently. Oh, but bummer. He, uh, he he was sort of the prototypical nerd character in Greece and then kind of became the archetype of what a nerd looked like. Like Revenge of the Nerds is twelve of that guy. Yeah. That voice is like you hear that you're like, oh that's a nerd. Right. 
Um, but I really like this. There's just this nice moment between these two character actresses who are putting the flag up and kind of chit-chatting. And it's just very real feeling and very much like the calm before the storm yeah. of... You know, I'm imagining what it's like for a teacher or a staff member that day before or the morning of the first one where, you know, you got your coffee and you're waiting for the kids to show up. And that sort of mix of anticipation and dread, because mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I hope that most people like go into work and you're sort of excited and also like, oh, but there's a bunch of crappy kids in this bunch, too, <laughs> or whatever, you know, Um but yeah, I, I love that little moment. But yeah, then we get like, you know, the jazz hands come out and we start doing a big choreographed number. It's just like, I went to school. I have a degree in musical theater. I am. I feel very qualified to, to, to break this down. This whole, everything about this movie is middling. It feels like an Asylum Productions, ver- like they heard Grease was coming yeah. out and they were like, we're going to put out our own. And they called it like... Like, dippity-doo, or whatever. Like, the original title for this was More Grease, which is just exactly what this is. Well, there's it's also like... Son of Grease was a, was, a, was a contender. Wait, what? That's not true. It's 100% true. The guy, the lead, so, okay. The le- I did research, because this movie's boring. Um, Michelle Pfeiffer and What's-His-Face did not, like, did not get along. They hated okay. each other. She was. It's it's a real Bill Paxton and uh, Helen <laughs> from Twister. From Twister is it Helen Hunt? Yeah, Helen Hunt. Yeah, like, yeah. Were they were they, they had to be filmed they, separately they for them. the attraction? <laughs> yes, yes. That's like my favorite little piece. Of and they, memory. I like that they gave him the proper eyeline, but not her. So she's right. not so looking at him at all. For, <laughs> yes. Uh, or maybe she did it on purpose. She's like, uh, how about fuck you, Bill. <laughs> um. But so they hated each other. Um, she was like, he was full of himself and an ass. And apparently he didn't like that it was called Grease 2 and lobbied for it to be called Son of Grease, which was one of the working titles. I don't. So in that fiction, is he the son of Danny Zuko? No, he can't be because he's. It's a different name. He's what's yeah. your face's cousin. Right. He's Olivia Newton-John's cousin. Oh, 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 the British guy and, and Pfeiffer hated yes. each other. Not the, oh, yeah, the, British the guy Fondrelli. and Pfeiffer did not okay. like each other. Okay, interesting, okay. Also, I like that his career took a bomb for this, but Michelle Pfeiffer rocketed to stardom somehow. Especially because, well, she's a very attractive woman, and he is just fine in this performance. Like, you can see talent with her. Oh, I don't yeah. think Michelle Pfeiffer is the greatest actress in the world, but you can see talent oh, I, when you see her, her on screen. Her Catwoman is a masterclass in acting. I haven't seen it in recent enough memory to rebut you, but I feel like I disagree with no. you. My gut says that I disagree with Truly, you. Truly, I, I, like, it is a masterclass in performance. Like, showing a journey like her transformation from selena to catwoman that scene where she like destroys her house and like makes her outfit mm-hmm. you watch this this like zombified woman like transform before your eyes and i show it to my friends i showed it to my boyfriend because he hadn't seen it before and i was like when i have my mental breakdown this is what it's gonna look like and a few weeks into quarantine i was like hey babe you might want to watch batman returns again just in case because who knows where i'm gonna go in this quarantine I just made a loop-de-loop in my brain while you were talking in that Michelle Pfeiffer is name-dropped in... Uh, that song. That song that I was just talking about. So now that anecdote is more relevant. Oh, yeah. Just, I want to... I want to. It's just... My Michelle Pfeiffer, that white relevant. gold. Yeah, that is the lyric that they sing on the show. 
that was always such a weird i was like really michelle pfeiffer is just a weird name drop for that song yeah yeah no i agree um but here's a question i have for you as the expert on musical theater what is the kayfabe for when like we're having a big dance number and we two people like step out of the dance number to have dialogue but the dance number continues so it because the because because the equivalent is if it was like Roadhouse and there was like the big bar fight happening and Patrick Swayze like took a guy aside and they started having like a heart to heart as a dude is getting like tossed over a bar into the rack of bottles. I don't think it's the same level. Okay. So I think because if you think of it this way that like your the musical numbers are just dialogue that is sung. If you think of them that way. Sure. Whereas like a fight, a fight choreo is just fighting. Like there's not really, other than like someone's okay. gonna win, someone's gonna lose. It's not really telling a story. But like, because most of the time the musical numbers feel like an expression of someone's inner thoughts, like almost like they're, um, if you could have a comic style brain thought bubble. The, the songs often feel like that to me as a person who has watched far fewer musicals in this you. movie specifically like usually, or in general. I, I mean, certainly in this movie specifically, but I think a lot of the musicals that I have seen, the the songs are often not not just the ballad numbers, which are always that I in, in my experience, um, but like a lot because like this one, for example, is really a good example of what I'm talking about is they're all like on their way to school and the song is about going back to school. Yeah. And so it's sort of the 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 viewable, listenable expression of what they're feeling on the way to school that you could kind of think of as almost like inner thoughts that's fair but i think for something like because i i always go ahead sorry i should shut for up. something like the back to school number it's like when there's that moment it's sort of like you and your friend are walking down the hall at school and everyone around you is talking and there's that kind of cacophony of sound so like you sure. can walk like not everyone's not going to shut up so you and your best friend can have a conversation at your locker so if you think of that in terms of like in the musical world, it's that where like everyone's singing and dancing and doing the number they're, they're they might sing quieter so that you can be heard or they might just be dancing, right. but it's sort of that. Cause it always feels to me like we're sort of hitting pause so that we can do the song that is going to sort of express this emotion to you. And when they do the dialogue within the song, it's like we're hitting pause within a pause and we're getting into this like sub layer thing where I'm like, all right, now hold on a minute. What is happening now? Are we, are we, are we stepping back into a narrative a and off of B? Are we in a sub level of B? That's also like, so that's what I, I, that this movie especially feels that way. So most musical theater songs will, carry the plot forward it's just dialogue that happens to be sung but i will mm-hmm. i will admit there are numbers that i call three o'clock numbers as in it's three o'clock let's sing about the fact that it's three o'clock and they don't really advance sure. the story per se it's just like okay this this i'm an you're an old character actor who needed a song and this is what they gave you so that the audience will clap for you right um, right or it's the like the the stars <laughs> The stars need time to change. Yeah. So this is the break, you know, for them to do it. Exactly. That's let's see me and Reefer Madness and Rent where I was like, I need a break backstage. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the songs in this movie in particular often feel inner monologue or inner inner monologue. Am I using the right phrase? Inner dialogue, inner monologue. Yeah. Uh, it feels like that to me for most of the songs in this movie. And so I was like trying to figure out the meta answer these songs are also gem and the hologram songs stretched out to a full length 
Yeah, they're really they quite they wrote forty five seconds of a song and then they're like, let's make it four minutes. Right. Because like the scene, like Cool Rider, was it as a decent song, whatever, and it makes sense of like the guys like, what do you like? What do you look for in a guy? And she sings, I want a cool like a cool writer, and describes a cool guy, and then mm. she just keeps singing the same lyrics about how she wants a cool writer, and I'm like. We got it the first time, and now it's just right. now it's like originally it was like, oh yeah, this is her dialogue of who what she likes, and now I'm just like, we get it. Did you ever see Crazy Ex Girlfriend? I didn't. My my ex is really into that, so I uh, never did that one. Eventually, I will. It's a legitimately good show, but the beauty of it is they're almost all jingle length. They're like thirty seconds to ninety mm-hmm. seconds, which is like this is the worst. This movie is the worst version of a My Crazy Ex Girlfriend episode. Yeah. I, it's been on my list because Patty Lupone says that uh, Rachel Bloom is the only person in Hollywood today who knows how to properly direct a musical number. Oh, they're they're hysterical, and also the guy he just recently passed away from uh, COVID complications, actually. But the he was a member of a band. Oh, damn it! Is a member of a band that it was like kind of vaguely popular for a minute. I think he might have been the guy who wrote Stacy's Mom. Oh. honestly, um, but the Fountains of Wayne. Um, yeah, that's what it is. It's he was the he was one of the lead singer or was he the lead singer? Yeah, I think he was the lead singer of Fountains of Wayne. But he it, um, wrote most co-wrote or wrote most of the songs for that movie or that show. Uh, just super super talented guy. He also wrote the that thing you do the title track. Okay, I've heard a couple of the songs from Crazy. I it, I love the way I heard. Yeah, but so this this movie has the same kind of thing where it's sort of inner monologue songs and the they're just so 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 long but anyway so we get frenchie who's the only main cast person to come back here i think so yeah 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 um she's delivering some hot exposition stew yes but i really love it's a truly an inspired choice and ahead of its time that frenchie dropped out of college went to beauty school failed she dropped out of high school to go to beauty school Okay, sorry. Dropped out of high school, go to beauty school, failed out there, and now is involved in a multi-level marketing scheme. No, she's not. She's selling cosmetics. She's making her own cosmetics. Uh, I think she got a kit from an Avon-type situation. No, the, the, the point of her, she's like, I want to learn chemistry so that I can make my own cosmetics. Well, okay, fine. If that's the case, it is utterly absurd that they're letting this... 20 something 30 something year old person just like come back to the high school and use the chemistry set so it's it's the year 1961 what year what does greece take place in a specific year in the in the 50s or is it just um it was 1950 something because the the stage at the talent show specifically has a 1961 on there which was a mistake you should not have tried to date yourself movie Apparently, there's an HBO Max series coming out about Greece. Uh, it's the summer of 1958 in the other... So it's been uh, three episode. years? So yes. she's 21. She's 2021. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, I felt that felt very on brand. Uh, then we get a quick shot of... Uh, Coach well, I like that they bothered Sid. to explain why she was still there. Like, yeah, today, yeah, it would I just mean, be like a Riverdale situation where you're like, it's been four seasons, you're still in high school? yeah. Or they would just, like, make her a teacher, which also would have solved this problem. Yeah, that's fair. Um, the T-Birds roll up uh, one in three motorcycles, one of which has a sidecar, which I found delightful. Yeah, it's like he's the junior... Me- he's like the little T-Bird. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's he's like the, the T... Is there... A, he, the T-Baby Bird? 
Yeah, yeah, the T-Chirper. Yeah. He's like, he's like, hey guys, one day I'm going to have a motorcycle too, right? And they're but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What should have happened is that, like, because the, the, the pink ladies have one of those members. The pink ladies yes. have, a, like, a little sister. A, a training, a, a pink lady in training. Yeah. Who is played by Pamela Adler. Yes, she, oh, wait, I just lost, I knew what, she was in something that I was like, oh, I'm blanking. Well, she was in Louie, and then she got, like, her own show very recently. Yeah, but I turned to my boyfriend and I was like, "Oh, the little girl is blah," and I can't remember now. It's in, it's in her Wikipedia of like things she's well known for. Okay, keep oh, going. Um, so like it would have made so much more sense for the T Birds to have that kind of person. I feel that he is that, but he it's wait it's the it's well, who rides in the sidecar. Do we know specifically which one does? Yeah, it's the one who ends up hooking up with Pamela Adlin. Oh yeah, but he doesn't. But he's got. Pamela Adlin looks significantly younger than the rest of the cast. All the T-Birds look the same age. Yeah, she was Pajama Sam and also Bobby Hill. Bobby Hill, that's the thinking. one that I was... Okay. Bobby Hill and Pajama Sam. Yeah. <laughs> that, not, but Because that's the one people will know. No one's going to know Pajama Sam but us. Well, the craziest thing is that it's 1982. She's 26 in this movie. Are you kidding me? No. She looks like she's, she's 15. Wait, no, I lied. That's I did bath bad. Hold on. 66, 82, that's 16, not 26. Oh, okay. I, I was sorry. like... I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I caught it immediately. Um, <laughs> yeah, she is only 16. Michelle Pfeiffer is 24. The other person that you would know of... of Lorna Luft. Mac- oh, sure. But also Christopher McDonald, who's Shooter McGavin from Happy Gilmore. Yes. He is 28 in this movie, which is wildly too old to be doing this. It is. Uh, he also looks the same. Yes. Um, but Lorna Luft uh, is in this we, uh, movie, who is Liza Minnelli's much more talented sister. I see. She sing, when she sings, she sounds like Judy Garland. She got Judy's voice. Liza did not. Um, we also got a quick glimpse of Sid Caesar, who plays the coach in football mm-hmm. and is, of course, a uh, favorite of this podcast. He is the old man who dies playing Kino at the end of Vegas Vacation. Oh, that's right. Take the ticket. Wasn't he take the ticket? Uh, so we do announcements, uh, which I like the dynamic of the the principal and presumably the secretary doing these announcements together, where she's doing like the live jingle with the uh, <laughs> going on too what's long that thing called xylophone? Oh, xylophone. Xylophone. Yeah. Well, that's funny. Like that's a real thing back in the day. Like NBC, the the three tones of NBC is because it was a three bar. Yeah, it's uh, G E and C for General Electric Company. Oh, I did not know that part of it. But there's a person physically going like, bong, bong, bong. Like, that's, I think that's a cute little thing. Yeah. Uh, then we go to chemistry class and, and uh, Frenchie is doing all sorts of nonsense, making colored smoke happen. Yeah, because she's trying to make cosmetics. Right, right. Uh, and then they, ma- they I, it seems like they murdered this teacher who had a nervous breakdown the year before. He comes back later, thankfully. So I was confused. This I don't know why this teacher existed in this movie. If it, it makes absolutely no sense. Because he, he only exists to go away so that Tab Hunter can show up. And I don't know why it, Tab Hunter wasn't just the new teacher in school. Especially because they bring him back at the end to just do one more gag of like, oh, isn't it funny when people have nervous breakdowns? Yeah, but also because I was like, oh, is it supposed to be like last the end of last year? It was something like the last movie did, did i miss something in the last movie yeah i assumed i assumed it was a connection to the previous movie which i am not familiar enough with so that's i just assumed it was but that. i don't think it is it was so bizarre because he's like shaking and trying to take his pills and they put a rat down a girl's shirt 
And when she screams, he passes out. And they're like, well, he's gone. Right. Yeah. Uh, then we go to football practice and, and a group of adult motorcycle madmen break, breaks up the football practice and invades the field. So is it practice or is it gym class? It's one of those weird movie situations where you can't quite. Aren't they, aren't they wearing pads? I don't know. They're pushing. The I don't sled. think they're wearing pads they're when they're, but they're pushing the sled because there's also, for yeah. some reason, an open grave on the football field. <laughs> it's it's an open mass grave. It's, <laughs> someone dug out the entire end zone. It's a it's a it's a nice big rectangle that's six feet deep because they the boys push the coach into it. Yeah, Sid Caesar gets thrown into a hole. Um, I guess you're right. It could be gym class. Pushing the sled seems an insane thing to be doing in gym class. I agree, but it's a movie. And also to be doing in Chuck Taylors, which have absolutely no tread, and on a slippery grass would be just twisted knees and ankles. Well, they have some tread. It's just tread for a rubber floor. I I guess. Michael, the British exchange student, who's... Why is he British if if uh, Olivia Newton-John's Australian? Like, why? No idea. I don't understand. Makes no sense. No, none whatsoever. The other thing is like I can't. So okay, what the movie has very specific rules that like T birds can date pink ladies and vice versa. They're in a gang. No, nobody else. They, yes, they're in a gang. I get that, but they act like this very handsome, smart boy is like some social pariah. And I was just like, there are many other attractive women at the school that you could just date without a problem, or I don't know, maybe just could solve this problem by being a very attractive, handsome man who just like gets what he wants by just being that. Yeah. Cause like the thing with Sandy, it's been a, a thousand years since I've seen Grease. Uh, the thing with Sandy was that she was like nerdy, but not a nerd. Like she wasn't Patty Simcox, but she was like kind of a square and the girls had right. to make her cool. Yes. But like, she his transformation is that but without it being earned like it's this is the worst sort of uh laney boggs that this is the worst laney boggs type transition i've ever seen of like i could take anybody making them cool it's like this guy has a british accent and is handsome he would have been cool already yeah i don't understand why like it seemed weird that the school wasn't like well i guess the school kind of was fawning on him those two twins were like all about that so I, just, I forgot I wrote a note. Uh, apparently, Annette Funicello was supposed to be in a role in this, oh, really? but couldn't because, and I quote, she was filming a peanut butter advertisement that week. <laughs> That's delightful. Which to me sounds like she didn't want to do the movie. Right, <laughs> she was right. like, sorry, guys, I'm in this Peter Pan peanut butter commercial, and I, it is ironclad. Yeah, the, the peanut butter, Peter, Peter Pan peanut butter people are really brutal. You're gonna have to do it without me. We'll wait for you. No, it's okay. <laughs> I got a, I got another Peter, Peter Pan peanut butter <laughs> ad the next week. So you guys go ahead. There's a classic cigarette swallow, the fake cigarette swallow, rather with. Uh, the leader of the T-Birds, which is a gag I just always appreciate in a movie where someone is smoking and then they get caught from behind and they flip it into their mouth and just nod their head a whole bunch. Yeah, I think because that was also in, that's been used in like everything. Like I want to say, um, oh, is it Different Strokes that did it? I feel like it's a gag in Ferris Bueller, maybe. It's in one of the John Hughes movies for sure. Oh, I think it's probably Breakfast Club, if maybe. I had to guess. Yeah. Um, so you skipped over the bowling scene. When you, you skipped over bowling to go right to swallowing a cigarette. No, no, no. 
Um, that happens before. No, in my notes, the bowling. I have all my bowling notes before he swallowed a cigarette. Oh, you're right. I did skip over bowling because I just had one note for bowling. So go ahead. How did you? Uh, there are nuns bowling, and then I missed the nuns. I have to say, I there's a pair of nuns bowling. It's very goofy movie. I mean, they're not allowed to do very many things. No, nuns are like are not, nuns are like fun now. I feel like I think after Sister Act, they were like. You can wear like kooky glasses. I don't think nuns are fun. Now. They're like you can wear you can wear kooky glasses, about? and wear sparkly <laughs> outfits. So like nuns are cool now. They are not allowed to wear sparkly outfits. Uh, after Sister Act, I think they are now. <laughs> no, they're not allowed to wear sparkly outfits. They wear habits. Haven't you ever seen a nun in public? <laughs> I mean, I've seen nun adjacent people come into work. They were like that. It's like um, again in Sister Act. There's like the mousy nun who wears like okay. the modified I habit. To, I have to. I have to stress that Sister Act is a fictional movie, and I just no, th- I need to hear you say that because it sounds like you've actually crossed the line. No, the in it's not a documentary in Sister Act. There's the one nun who's not wearing a full habit. I understand. Do you know what I'm talking I about? I understand. Yes, I've seen that look in public. Act, Yes. I've seen the, like, it's not a full <laughs> habit, but it's, like, habit adjacent. It's hab-ish. So, the, this, this is where I wrote, this movie feels like an unauthorized parody of Grease. Like, it's the Asylum version. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the fake bowling ball budget on this movie is out of control. Because this whole sequence is just, everyone has a fake bowling ball, doing pirouettes and jump splits, and, like, wheeling it around in the air, as though it's not a 30-pound thing that could kill you. I mean, most bowling balls are only, like, 6 to 10 pounds. I feel like most people could do these moves holding a small bowling ball. Tight, keeping it tightly in your hand. You did, they were, like, wheeling and dealing these bowling balls. This is not easy. This is not choreo for that. I mean, some of them, yes. I just feel like not all these moves necessarily were styrofoam. That's all. Um, and then my, fav- my favorite thing in musicals is modified choreography. Where, like... A star is probably not the best dancer, and so they're like, you mm-hmm. and this other guy are going to do this in the front while everyone else does complicated stuff. I see. Or, like, shit like that, which is Christina Applegate got a whole bunch of dancers fired from a revival on Broadway because she can't dance, and they cast her in the role that was supposed to be the best dancer, so they had to, like, bring in people who weren't good. Woof, that sounds terrible. Yep. Um, but so there's all the kids on the bowling lanes, which are supposed to be slippery. They are very doing like full on lifts and like crazy partner work. And then all the way on the left, just barely on screen is a nun. And what looks like an insurance salesman doing modified choreography. (laughs) I love me some modified choreo. And then, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer sexually assaults Michael. Yes, yes. Also, the one pink lady gets down on all fours and rolls a perfect strike, which I thought was kind That's of... That's Lorna Left. I see. She's the Marilyn Monroe one. I gotcha. So, then we go to the cigarette swallow, and then we have talent show auditions, which are just brutal to this, watch. This is some slapdash audition nonsense. Yeah, everyone's running around at the same time people are auditioning while people are like zipping around behind them screaming like what is happening also this is the worst movie 
I've ever seen because every one of these people has a special skills section on their resume, and I see not a single special skill in this slate of auditions, which happens, I want to be clear, Twice. two distinct times in the movie we have auditions for the talent show, and not one is a juggler or a ventriloquist or a... Or a, or a uh, we get an accordion player gym- later. Gymnastics... Ex- gymnast... Yes, the accordion player is perfect, but I want other st- like there are people who have other special skills on their resume although that is it is pretty accurate to an actual high school talent show where it's just like song 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 interpretive dance song song tap dance song i disagree ours had comedy sketch groups ours had like stand-up t- style performance in high school like, like story to yeah oh no our variety show was like a lot of songs uh I mean, I clear, and I will admit, I'm one. I was one of the people who sang a song in the variety show. Yeah, I have no problem with there being a majority singers because the person who wins is always the person who plays the cover of the popular song that everyone can sing along to, and they don't have to be very good. It's oh, like our the, our, the our variety show wasn't a contest; it was like a fundraiser. I just remember. Okay, maybe they didn't actually win, but I remember people's favorite act for sure being the guy who played a Dave Matthews song on the guitar, and everybody <laughs> sang along to it. Um, also, the prize yeah, for the contest is. A hundred records, which is just a weird prize because it's not like a hundred. It's just like a, a smattering of records because they say there's like Beethoven and Tchaikovsky records. And I was like, what is happening? Yeah, it feels like it should have been hosted by a Corny Collins type. Oh, a Corny. This movie would have really benefited from a Corny Collins. And, and you could have put a famous person in there in a sort of fun cameo, like have it be a comedian who people would recognize, like a Don Rickles or someone of that yeah. ilk. It's going to, like, make fun of this whole thing a little bit. And they're, like, the local shock jack guy. And it's, like, you know. Or even, um, um, oh, oh, back to school. Dangerfield? Yes. Yeah. He would have been great. Right. And just, you have him put on some, like, Buddy Holly glasses and be, like, uh, out here Give on a bike KW. Horn. Yeah, wah, yeah. Wah. KWHX is bringing you all the top hits. Yes. I think that would have yeah, been much I mean, better. That's, you need that character here, but also just like give me some stuff to look at. Also, give me a juggler. Why, a but why wasn't it a money prize? Like, I mean, the uh, the record seems fine. Like that would have been like if you got a hundred CDs back when we were well, maybe not. Maybe you're too young for that. But like a hundred CDs would have been a cool prize when I was. A but kid. if they included like Tchaikovsky and Beethoven, like yeah, it still would have felt pretty rad. It would have been like an instant CD collection back in an era where that kind of mattered. At one point, yeah. Mr. Frond would have loved that. Right. Um, so the early, I, I guess earlier, the the twin girls decided, they're like, oh, Michael, I hear you can play the piano. And I was, I was like, from where? Because we haven't learned one damn thing about Michael other than that he's British and Sandy's cousin. Right. It sounded like they were saying you have to audition for the talent show. And I was like, oh, sure, right. whatever. He'll play some classical music. But no, what they were saying was, you should accompany the auditions for the talent show, which is a worse yeah. offer. Right. That needs to be a cash offer. But also, that see, here's what I thought they were setting up is like, okay, he's not cool, air quotes liberally used, because he's attractive and he has a British accent. And we both know that that's going to make him very successful in high school. Yes. But he's like plinking along, playing the like... You know, my Bonnie lies over the ocean or whatever horrible songs are singing at this talent show. And then at one point 
he's like, oh, this is terrible. And he's like commiserating with, with Michelle Pfeiffer. And then he starts like doing some Elton John or, or uh, not Elton Great John, Balls of Fire. Anachronistic. Yes, Jerry Lee Lewis. Yes, exactly. Great Balls of Fire was what I was going to say. It's like he just he starts doing like the like, you know, big old plinky arms and swinging around. And, and he's doing like, goodness, he's dancing and Michelle Pfeiffer's on the piano and she's like swooning. That's such a more interesting thing to do. I agree. That would have been so much better of him complaining. Um, it's like, how about something like this? Do the Back to the Future scene. Just lift the straight up Back to the Future scene and give me the like. Have you heard this? Well, <laughs> also, if you're gonna, if you're going to tell me in kayfabe that he is accompanying the auditions for the talent show, don't perform these songs with a full band backing. Right. Also, all of them. It was very silly. The girls were like, here, here's the sheet music. And he's playing and All of a sudden there's drums and a guitar and a piano. And I was like, I only see a piano, sir. Yeah, you're totally right. You're totally right. They, they, they boogered that up real bad. Um, so it's like no one cared about making Grease 2. (laughs) Which you would think that Grease 1 is a phenomenon. I really think that they're, they're. At some level, someone involved with this is aware of the fact that they got lightning in a bottle, and there is this is just going to be a disaster. But no, they were they had Michelle Pfeiffer and Olivia Newton John had a meeting to come back for this movie in some way, and never got contacted again. Um, Jeff Conaway, who was in who was Kinnicky and also in Pete's Dragon, calling back, uh, was in talks to be the bowling alley manager. Never happened. Well, that's fine, because Kanicki is, at best, a big issue for me with the Grease movie. Yes, but Jeff Conaway is a, is a big performer. Um, and then, um, oh, Stockard Channing, for, uh, who was Rizzo, and then uh, what I know also from uh, Tu Wong Fu, um, was supposed to t- come back, too. And again, that fell through. And also, this script wasn't finished when they started. That also feels very true. So that's why Frenchie... That's, that's why you have two audition sequences, because they're like, uh, what are we shooting tomorrow? They're like, I, I don't know the audition. Like, we did that last week. Like, well, we're doing it again! That's why Frenchie disappears halfway through the movie. Yeah, no, that makes absolute total sense. I assume they only had her for, like, a week. <laughs> like, for a I mean, she's, she's not big enough to be pulling money no, like no, no. that. No, no, no. I assumed it was, like, a, we have... $48 to make this movie. We gave 18 of them to Frenchie and she's only here for 10 days and that's all we got. Oh, uh, that's fair. Uh, Cher was also contacted to be in this movie and was like, you cannot pay me enough to be in this movie. <laughs> Which, fair. So he he hits on uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, who's absolutely not interested, and this leads to Cool Rider, which I think has just like the tiniest tingle crinkle of Jim Steinman on it. What do you I think? agree. Also, one of the best songs in the show, in the movie. In this, in the movie? Yes, in this movie. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, it's, as you said, extremely dumb and repetitive, but it is a good, fun one. It's catchy. The, the cool I, ride. Like, it's catchy. Yeah. The thing that I think about the music in this is, you and I had a long discussion about this when I was watching Jesus Christ Superstar and really confused as to why you didn't like it. No, not Jesus Christ Superstar. Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Yeah, thank you. But I prefer when a musical, if it has 12 songs, like has 12 different, like I want them all. I want a grab bag. I want a blind bag of like, oh, a pop song. Oh, a jazz number. Oh, a rock and roll one. Oh, cool. We're doing jazz hands. Like, give me a weird mishmash of styles. You prefer a more cohesive narrative. But for me, like watch it. Even this movie, which I think is 
thoroughly mediocre. The The songs are different every time, and so I at least have something to look forward to of like, oh, I wonder what the next one's going to be like. That's true. I, th- I also think that like when you think about Greece, like what it, when I say a song from Greece, what's the first one that pops into your head? Um, Summer Lovin'? Yeah. Okay. For me, it's that or We Go Together. Like you think about the bops, the up-tempos, and for some reason this movie has so many ballads it's yeah, like it really is an offensive amount of ballads which is a oh, that's a band name <laughs> an offensive amount of ballads like grease one ends with we go together and a flying car grease right. two ends with a romantic duet ballad right like what why i was so yeah, no, mad I don't think the music in this is good. I just liked that everyone had a distinct, different musical style. That's all I was saying. I, can, I don't think I can see that there's a bit of there's it. like there's there's like two fun numbers in this. I think the reproduction number, which we'll get to in a moment, is a just truly a Technicolor nightmare. But the the style in which it is created, I liked. <laughs> okay, fair. The kind of song that it is, I enjoyed. But actually, in execution and it being about reproduction, I was like, what are we doing in this movie? Yeah. Also, uh, when she finishes singing cool, because she literally um, hip thrusts her way out the door and down the street after this number. Yes. That's how this number ends. But as she's leaving the the auditorium, there's a, a locker or like a cabinet behind her that says inflammable liquids and i've never seen that warning like i've been in many a scene shop and i've never seen inflammable like wouldn't that mean not flammable i wonder if there's some rule about putting the hazardous no that can't possibly be i was thinking maybe there's like some reason they had to like make it look real but have it not be real but that doesn't make any sense yeah it's so bizarre uh, so the Englishman is living in a bomb shelter behind his uncle house, behind his uncle's house, and writing essays. And he starts deciding to do essays to buy a motorcycle. He's trying to make some extra money. I need also needed some concrete numbers, like oh, this place has a used motorcycle for four hundred dollars or something. It it must be like sixteen bucks because he's making about four dollars an essay. Because we watched the, we watched them yes. pull five singles and hand it to him. Right, and my other beef with this, your point is 100% valid, but why do all of the T-Birds feel that they need to protect their academic reputations? To whom are they protecting them from? Also, why are all the T-Birds gay as hell? (laughs) Well, because they're in a greaser gang and it's a musical. But I was like, whoa, these guys are all hitting on Michael. But the, the like the, the starts with Christopher McDonald, who's or not Christopher McDonald, the other one that we haven't talked about yet, comes in and is like, "Oh, uh, you know, I need an essay about the fall of Rome. I didn't know they were in trouble." <laughs> it's a lot. They're basically Andrew Dice Clay. Yes, very, very much. Andrew Dice Clay is the most obnoxious version of a T-bird. <laughs> yes, yes, he is. Like the the, the worst possible. Ver- He's the worst possible version of Kaniki. That is like <laughs> definitely. <laughs> And I'm talking about the character that he performed on stage as. I'm not accusing Andrew Dice Clay, the person, of being a serial sexual assaulter. But the character that he was portraying on stage absolutely was that. Yes, I agree. But yeah, they keep every single one of them is like, hey, keep this between us. I got to protect my rep. And I'm like, you're supposed to be a bad boy that you didn't do your homework is fine. What, Maybe I don't they're get it. saying that like people can't know I give a shit about class. 
Maybe, but it seems like they're just trying to pass, which is a different, you know, different avenue. I agree, but I don't know. Um, Also, a fallout shelter in the 50s is prime real estate that you're not going to give up for your weirdo nephew to live in, right? I mean, it seems fine if you're not you're not using it. But like, wasn't the threat of a bomb fall like wasn't that like all of the 50s? Like it has to be ready to yeah, go at any time. Him, right. But him being in there to like write a paper doesn't preclude it from being available if the Russians start to bomb us. They just would all go. He would already be out there. They would just join him. I guess it just seemed weird that I, I was like, this seems like too casual way to treat a fallout shelter in an era when like. N- nuclear fallout was the biggest scare. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, it's funny though. I always kind of assumed that anyone who had one was like doing stuff in it from time to time. You know, like to kind of just get used to the space, if nothing else. It's possible. Uh, but like, I think I guess I kind of attributed it to like it's kind of like having a patio. You know, you eat dinner out there sometimes. I assume <laughs> that like occasionally you ate dinner in the bomb shelter because you just like you know we got to practice what that's going to feel like so it doesn't it'll feel less weird to us if we've had a few meals out there. Bring the meatloaf, Ma. I mean, that sounds like a very fifties thing as well. Now that now that I hear that out loud, I don't know. I don't I don't know it enough about fifties you know Fallout culture. I know the Fallout games. But I don't know. Yes. About- I mean, I don't know. I don't know anything about it either. I just always assumed that people would do something with them. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess it's possible. It seems like he's just kind of using it as a place to, to write. I couldn't tell if it was like his bedroom or not, because it kind of seems like it is. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was like uh, that was his version of a basement situation or. Right, right. Um, so we go from that to the reproduction song that I was talking about before, which is Tab Hunter. Uh, 50s, 50s heartthrob beefcake tab hunter yes is uh teaching first about flower reproduction and then it goes into human reproduction and then we have this utterly bizarre song and dance number where like it's kind of kinicky level gross like all the boys are asking questions about how they can trick women into sleeping with them before they want to and all the women are like yeah all they want to do is have sex it's so gross and it just the whole thing sucks like it just all the characters lives sound like they suck but it's also just deeply gross it's just yucky it's it's such a bizarre song choice yeah, I just like I said, the style of song that it is is fun, but the actual song is yucked. Oh, for sure. And th- this is the one where I wrote these are ge- this is where I realized I was like, oh, these are gem songs. That got- these are hit clips that got extended to a full length yes. track because it's just I- yes. reproduction, and then like the girls stand up and sing a line, and then they go reproduction, and then the boys sing up, stand up and sing a line, often right, gesturing right. to their dicks. Yeah, the whole time they're just, it's like DX up there. They're just crotch chopping away. <laughs> and then there's a couple of times where they switch where the girls stand up and like sing all deep. And then the boys stand up and like sing all high. Yeah, it's very bizarre. And then the one guy's walking, like looking at a Playboy. And this, yeah, well, yeah, he's reading a Playboy and they're pointing at the whole, the Playboy starts early in this thing, but. Um, it ends with one woman who is actually Janet Jones, who's Wayne Gretzky's wife, or will would eventually be Wayne Gretzky's wife. Really? But the girl comes up, yeah, the girl comes up and says she's missed her last two periods is uh, Janet Jones, which is Wayne Gretzky's wife. That's so bizarre. Isn't he from Philly? No, no, he's a Canadian boy. Why did I think Wayne Gretzky was, did he play, did he not play for the Flyers at all? No, never. That's so weird that for some he reason. Played for Edmont, he played for Edmonton. L.A., New York, 
That's so weird. For some reason, my brain said put him. I guess probably because you liked Wayne Gretzky. My brain just assumed. I mean, everybody liked him. Yeah, he was. He, I was there for the very tail end of Gretzky. Like I, I saw him play one time. You might have been there for that, frankly. And probably, but yeah, I guess because you liked him, my brain goes, "Oh, he's a flyer." <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I don't even think I liked him that much. Because he, I mean, I was a goal. Anyway, it's not important. I saw him say the f bomb on the Jumbotron, which was fun. <laughs> oh. Um, so uh, but yeah, he takes so, yeah, his fifteen dollars and goes to buy. Oh, I did like that moment where the girl. Be fair, I don't. Yeah, the girl says, "I missed my last two periods," and then the principal is like, "You can make them up after school," and then pulls the like Dorothy Zvornak look into the camera, like, "Boing." Uh, yeah. AKA B. Arthur. AKA Jonathan Krasinski's entire acting reel. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, for The Office, yes. That's what he's known for. Yeah. Although he he was great in A Quiet Place. I've seen him in, uh, yeah, in The Quiet Place. He's just constantly turning the camera and looking all <laughs> smug. Mean, his kid gets yoinked by an alien. He looks in the camera <laughs> like. His, his his deaf daughter, like, eats a carrot real loud and turns the, <laughs> turns the camera. It's just now, like, how is that not an SNL sketch? I don't know. It seems like right there. Real low-hanging fruit. Right there. Yeah. Yeah, and or or that war movie he was in that he or Jack Ryan his Amazon show. Oh like yeah, he's I forgot trying, he's he doing Jack Ryan. Nu- he he diffuses a nuclear bomb and just turns the camera and makes that face. <laughs> I, I, it's my I started out rewatch I rewatched that uh, not recently but like a year ago and I've turned what, the and, office. I think Jim. Yeah, I think Jim is the villain, and it is and it is colored my perception of john krasinski because everybody loves him and i i don't care for him that much i think he's very charming but i agree when you like go back and think about it like he was a monster he was the he's a bully they both i mean i think they were both i think there was two bullies got together and just went at each other but for like the first two seasons dwight doesn't fight back at all he's just a weird i thought he was like trying to get jim fired and stuff wasn't he like oh I thought he was like trying to get Jim fired. After a while, because he's being constantly harassed, he like tries to get some vengeance. But it is it is very turn the other cheeky for a very long time. I mean, again, it's been a, a thousand years since I watched The Office because I prefer yeah. Parks and Rec. Yeah, me too. But I was surprised how much like I just think he comes off as a jerk. And I feel like we talked about this before. So anyway, let's move on. Um, so he takes his fifteen dollars and goes to buy a motorcycle. Yeah, from a f- and it's such but. Like this scene is is thematically important. Like this character's yes. goal was to get a motorcycle so he can impress Michelle Pfeiffer, and it is a, a f- like a fleet of motorcycles. There's a hundred. They're not discernible from it's, another. It's a it's a junk shop situation, though. Yeah, but like, why is it a if this is your character's moment to like get the the MacGuffin? It's 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 the equivalent of like the Avengers go into or uh, Indiana Jones goes into a junk shop where there's a bunch of mu- of coffee mugs and one's like number one Jesus and he's <laughs> like it's probably that one like you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I do. I I I I agree with you. I think what they're trying to do is more of the like him fixing it up makes it the talisman like he takes some junk and turns it into the talisman but the montage is super fast and the bike instantly basically works and then we go to him like trying to learn how to ride it in the park and getting thrown off it all the time and all i could think was like 
why isn't this a song? Like, all of this should be a song. Yes. It's not at all. Like, why isn't Frenchie like, oh, my boyfriend used to write all the time. Let me show you. And like, yeah. this is Frenchie's song. Like, what? Right. Or it's his song and it's called like Rev It Up. And it's about like how he's going to rev it up so that he can rev her up. Like, it's right there. Yeah. But I think it was just so weird that it was like a fleet of indiscernible motorcycles and yeah. this guy is and junky ones. It's not even like, you know, it's this beautiful motorcycle in the window amongst a fleet and he's going for the fancy one. It's just That's what it should have been. That's right. what it, sh- it should have been. The one nice display cycle motorcycle. And he's like, I want that one. And the guy's like, you can't. That one's four hundred dollars. And then we see him like writing a bunch of essays and then he comes back for it or whatever. Like Wayne's World. Exactly. But um, so he like. And then the guy's like, they're all kind of junk, but they'll all be fixed up. And I was like, wait, I'm, this is such weird diet. Like if your movie's almost right. two hours, you don't need this much padding. Right. So he, cause he bought, especially when you have 10 musical numbers to pad out the run. Yes. Time. You didn't need that many. Cause I don't think Greece has that many. That I didn't check, but it wouldn't surprise me. Well, there's again, this is longer than Greece. Exactly. Yeah. So Greece has summer nights. It has um, Worst Things I Could Do, Look at Me, I'm Sandra D, Alone at the Drive-In, uh, We Belong Together. These are out of order. I know they're out of order. I'm just saying the songs that I can remember. Um, I could do this a little bit faster by telling you that the Grease soundtrack has 26 songs on it. But how much? How many of those are, like, little things? I guess that's fair. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think they're probably similar based on looking at this number. Hmm. Um, so he's like, they're all junk, but they'll all fix up. And so it doesn't feel special when he like gets the motorcycle. Because then the guy's like, I'll throw in this Michael Myers jumpsuit for free. Right. Well, he hands him a manual to help like put the bike back together. Also, You're the One That I Want is definitely the song I think of from Greece, not Summer Lovin'. By the way, I, I retconned my answer to that. Wait, hang on. You're the one that I want, and we go together. Are they the same song? I don't know. We go together. We go together like Ramble, Ramble, Ramble. No, that is that is no that is a different song, different song. It's two two distinct listings on the soundtrack. So then, but they they're right after the other. Yes, correct. Okay, that's my brain is like it's one song. It's the end of Greece. Yeah. Um, the T Birds get into the talent show because there's no cuts, as the nerd informs us. Also, what? So we see them. <laughs> We see them audition twice. There's two sets of auditions. For some reason, right. the pink ladies go to both rounds of auditions. And all I could think was being a, being an actor and seeing the post. It's like, please only go to one night of auditions. Yes. Like, if we want to see more, we'll tell you. It's also an insanely elaborate number they're trying to pull off. It's springtime for they... Hitler. Yes, it is. But they get through like a quarter of it in the one audition and then another quarter in the next. And they're like but we didn't finish. And they're like, oh, you're in. And they're like, oh, good. It's going to be even longer in the show. It is a glorious like, three-hour finale. <laughs> yes, that yeah, is exactly and a half. The, Yeah, exactly. That is exactly... that. Okay, th- I'm glad you that you that came up because I didn't... Muppet Vision 3D? You, no, no, no. The Muppet. Just the Muppet. lead me there. I'll, get, I'll bring it this, up. This is a Muppet movie. It, it is so... Is, it is, is Kermit, Michael, and Piggy, Michelle Pfeiffer? No. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yes, of course. And then, like, Rizzo is one of the T-Birds. Fozzie is one of the T-Birds. The Riz- um, 
uh, Gonzo's a T-Bird. Like, it, it just, it's just so easily, but but more than that, like, I don't want to fantasy cast all the Muppets. I mean, we the can. The reason I bring it up, I mean, <laughs> we can, but I feel like we're over an hour at this point, and there's a decent chunk of movie left, so I do want to eventually end this podcast. But it is a Muppet movie in style, because it's all about, it leads to a talent show, which is an extremely Muppet energy thing. It's so thing. Muppet. It's, it's about a character, like, acquiring a thing to have personal growth, which is a, you know, sort of a part of a lot of the Muppet ouvoir, as it were. And I just feel like it's a very Muppet movie energy to it the whole time. I can totally see that. Um, but yeah, they, the talent show thing is just like, I can't believe we have to sit through this twice. So what is with the My Boys shtick? What, what do you mean? So when the, like, the Twinkie Barbershop trio stands up there and starts singing well... The like seemingly I, promiscuous teacher lady is like, those are my boys. And then when the T-Birds get up, the principal's like, those are my boys. And I was like, what is happening? I, I so what the the first one, she actually says, these are my girls in the first auditions. And I assumed that she was like the choir teacher. Oh. I didn't recognize who that character was. And then she does it with the boys. And I was like, okay, this is definitely the choir teacher. But I don't think she is. No, and then she's the, the English up- teacher? Maybe she is because she says she tells Michelle Pfeiffer her writing sucks. Okay, she's not the one that hits on the the T bird. She is okay because yeah, I I remember the hitting on part, but not the substance of the conversation. Anyway, I don't understand what they're getting at there, other than like maybe this is like my favorite student, but that 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 is not what is expressed. It's very bizarre. We also get this bizarre scene at the bowling alley where. Uh, is it Pamela Adlin? Yeah, Pamela Adlin goes in the bowling alley, and the the forty five year old leader of the biker gang is outside with his huge facial burn scars. Yeah, it's I, it's just I don't think they're burn scars. It's got to be like I think they're just like old pock marks. So I don't think, a, I don't think this was applied makeup. For a split second, the first time you see this guy far away with the sunglasses on, I was like, oh, is the gimmick that like tab hunter is the leader of the biker gang and he's going undercover at the school <laughs> that would be the weirdest kayfabe I, but I would be so into it but i was like that's so interesting if like they have the leader of the motorcycle gang in order to get closer is posing as a teacher and then eventually he's gonna like screw over these like he's he can't beat them up because he's 45 and they're 18 so instead he's gonna make them have to go to summer school or something like that and i was like that's dumb as a bag of hammers but i don't know it's grease too what are we doing here? <laughs> grease too electric boogaloo i'm here for it so we when we saw the guy up close and I realized it wasn't Tab Hunter, I was a little disappointed because it was not the movie I was writing in my head. Yeah, she runs inside and says, I'm going to go draw cow, cow parts on a cow in Sharpie. <laughs> yeah, and then the 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 T-Birds are playing pinball and, and she's like, oh, he's out there by himself. And they fall into the dumbest trap in the history of traps. Well, also... <laughs> Did you see, uh, so the leader T, so the lead T-Bird played Danny Zuko in the first national tour of Greece. Oh, really? Yes. That explains a lot. And then played this and then went back to Greece and then at fucking 40 revived the role on Broadway. Oof a doof. Yeah. What was that? Like nineties? It had to have, it had to have been the nineties. Okay. Um, so he's like, uh, comb, smoke. And then he's like, light. And so Shooter McGavin is handing him these things. And he goes, light. And Shooter McGavin tries to do that, like, Zippo flippy trick where you, like... Off his shoe, yeah. It's his jeans, no, like, on your jeans. Oh, his jeans. Yeah, yeah, yeah where yeah. you, like, flip it 
flip it and then crack it open and then run it on your jeans to open it. And so he does it in like, you know, the real smooth motion, flicks it. It doesn't light and he has to flick it with his thumb again. And I was like, why would you keep that? Right. It's insane that it's in the movie. And also, it's not that hard to do. I can do it and I am a doofus. It's not. It, it had to be that it just went out. Like he brought it up too quickly and, it, and the wind blew it out and like it blew out. But like, come on. Yeah, maybe. I mean, but also just like shoot the take again. <laughs> like, yeah, like, come on, people. Top. It's not that long of a scene. It will take 40 seconds to reset. The T-Birds are also, because I feel like in the first one, the T-Birds are kind of like tough. Like they, they're fighting people. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but in this one, they get outside and they're like, ho, they like puff their chest and they're like, and then they run back inside. And I was like, you they're don't deserve to wear that tigers. jacket. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- that's the thing, though, is, like, you don't want to watch a real big fist fight in the Grease movie, I feel. Like, is there a big fist fight in the first movie? I know there's one in West Side Story. Not a fist fight, but there's, a f- like, a, a gang fight in West Side Story. Right. I just, watching people get beat up is not very fun, and I feel like it's the wrong energy for a Grease movie. So I don't know why this conflict is even here to start with, but it is funny that they're just huge babies. Well, because there is some turf war in the first Greece because they have the, the drag race because Chacha de Gregorio right, takes right. off her scarf to like she That's like true. gets in between the but two cars. But it's resolved via drag race. Yes. It's resolved via drag race which is a very different thing. That's what it should have been. Also all I could think of was what <laughs> right 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 because it's about a car gang and in this movie or motorcycles it should be a motorcycle race. Also all I could think of was when you were relaying the actions where he's like comb smoke light would be the Muppet version where he says light and someone hands him a lamp. <laughs> yes exactly. Someone hands yeah. him like a like a burning log. And then Jim Halpert like comes in and looks at the camera. <laughs> no fuzzy. Um well, the Muppets would never smoke. It would be lollipop, I'm guessing. Yeah, it'd be like take the ra- rapper me, um, and then he brings in a rapper, yeah. like a, a like a yeah. present day rapper. Yeah, 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 exactly. Kanye West pops. In. Yes, exactly. Um, uh, so this movie turns into the Wraith. Yes, it does super duper turn into the Wraith, and all I could think of, honestly, and I can't believe I'm saying this, was I wish I was watching the Wraith. Oh, don't say that. Don't bring that. I liked upon the us. Wraith. Remember? Oh, that's right. I, I need to listen to that one again. Um, so Michael comes in wearing a helmet and goggle, pulling a Cinderella story bullshit of like a helmet mm-hmm. and goggles and no one knows who he is. And I was like, why wouldn't you just wear a bandana around your mouth too? Like, that's a thing people do. Yeah, definitely. And also like the way that he fights these guys off, I thought it was going to be that he like, you know, beat them up, but he just does motorcycles, tricks and stunts sort of at them. And then they run away. You know what it is? It's a theme park stunt show. Yes, it absolutely is a theme park <laughs> stunt Where show. it's like... For sure. Hey, this has to get resolved by doing donuts. <laughs> and then they yes, just like, exactly. do a bunch of donuts. Exactly. <laughs> Pop a wheelie. Yeah. Yeah. They He pops a wheelie as, like, he he's going east to west as two guys are coming at him west to east. And he pops a wheelie and goes between them. And they both, like, fall down. And it's like, it's, well, wait, wait a minute. That's not how this works. It's it's from what I've never seen it because I've never been. But from what I've gathered of online videos, it's just the Waterworld stunt show. Where it's yeah, just people zipping that. around on jet skis, not hitting jet each skis. other. Right, right. There is at least some fisticuffs adjacent to the jet ski fights in that show. But yeah, it's bonkers. Um, 
So he chases them away. The cops come. And when all the T-Birds and Pink Ladies go to go inside, Michelle Pfeiffer's like, I'm going to wait out. She's like a kid who wants to wait up to see Santa Claus. She's like, mm-hmm, he might come mm-hmm. back. And so yeah. it's her and Lorna Luft. And Lorna Luft gives her a cigarette, which she had previously said she didn't smoke anymore. Mm-hmm. And Lorna Luft can't get her. Well, she was all hot and bothered after watching the Mysterious <laughs> Yeah, she needed a cigarette. Billy. She needed to smoke. Uh, so Lorna Luft can't, she's like got the cigarette in her mouth and Lorna Luft can't get hers lit, her like match lit. And then all of a sudden a hand extends into frame with a lighter and she was like, oh, thanks. And lights her cigarette. And then it's like, and it's Michael. It's the cool rider, (laughs) which like, that was the smoothest thing I've ever seen. This movie, it was the smoothest thing in this whole movie. Oh, for sure. Uh, this is followed up with the least smooth thing in the whole movie. Where he jumps a police car. He jumps a police car to leave. <laughs> That's right. He does jump a police car. <laughs> I don't know why he jumps a police car. Yeah, because it's a because it's a Hollywood stunt spectacular. <laughs> it's the Lights Motors action stunt show. Right. This is clearly like a, a, an attraction at the old Universal. They're like, we got a we got a big space. What, what can we get in here? Grease <sighs> two, perfect. Bulldoze that Bates Motel. Grease two is where the money's at. Get get a get a mysterious stranger doing loops on a motorcycle. <laughs> no, what I was gonna say is that Lou, the T bird that we talked about a little bit already, but is like the one that's not Christopher McDonald or the child or fake Danny Zuko, is uh, trying to trick his girlfriend into having sex with him by pretending that the Russians have started dropping nuclear bombs. And therefore, he is going to need to go to war tomorrow. And so she should have sex with him. And this includes his friends cranking like an air raid siren outside the bunker door. Yes, this is horrifying and the skeeziest thing. They also say it's like we're doing it for Disneyland. Um, Yes, 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 yes. We're doing it for the Statue of Liberty. We'll do it for Disneyland. What are we doing here? So this song blessedly ends when she opens the door and his friends come tumbling in and she realizes that this is all fake. Yeah. The alternate cut of this that I I think I would have liked more would be his friends aren't at the door. They're at the backside of the bunker cranking their mm-hmm. siren. And because they're cranking their siren, the people whose house this presumably is think it's a real air raid. And come rushing in. <laughs> I actually was going to ask. It looks like the same. I mean, certainly it's the same set. It's the same set. They right? can't afford that. Yeah, for, yeah for, for sure it's the same set. But is it in Kayfabe, the nerd or the mysterious man's house? Like, is Michael's it his house? Bunker? I don't know. Because they've, they've all visited this bunker. So is that what it is? And also, why does this bunker have? And I know it's a musical. Shut up, Trip. But... I have to point out that the musical, the the bunker in this musical has a soldier's helmet, a M1 Grand rifle, and a nurse's hat, and also like a whole mess of ace bandages. She just starts wrapping around him as sort of foreplay. I mean, I, the bandages are like if you fall, you hurt, you hit your head. The band, okay, you're true. There's a first aid kit in a fallout shelter, or it's a bad fallout shelter. But she starts wrapping it around his head like he's massive head wound Harry, <laughs> and I'm just like, what are we? What is this? Yeah, it's very bizarre, but blessedly, he doesn't trick her into having sex with him. Yeah, because he's not Kanicki. Oh, God, no. But Who uh, sucks? I want to be clear. But do you think, do you think, what do you like my alternate ending of the song? Yeah, no, where, I think that's hysterical. That, the, Truly, that would be so funny. So then the family, they like just have to sleep, spend the night there. 
Because he's like, how yeah, do I end yeah, this? Yeah. What do I do? Yeah, 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 they can't get out then? Yeah, that would be a delight. Or or maybe the family just throws them out would also be good. <laughs> the family's like, this is our bomb shelter. This is our bomb shelter. You can There's fry, not- commie. We don't, we don't have food for you. You were trying to steal it. <laughs> it's like a little now monster to do on Maple Street. Yeah, well, it's a little monster to do on Maple Street there situation. Michelle Pfeiffer's at her job at the at the, the gas, gas station, which, like, it's so tangential that she has the job. It's She has a job for this one scene. Yeah, it's really stupid. It's incredibly dumb. She like she could have just been at the soda fountain or something, or yeah. she was getting gas in her car. Like her working here is inconsequential. Or like it could be her family's place, and she like kind of helps out. Yes. Um, well, that is this. It is a story. It's her uncle's. Garage. Oh, is it her uncle's garage? Yeah, yeah. Um, but she's the only employee, and so the cool rider rolls up shirtless with just his motorcycle jacket on. And I was like, yeah, that's a boss move, bro. And they drive around and then the T birds are mad at Michelle Pfeiffer. And even though she broke up with the guy already, like they've been broke up. Right. So they flirt a whole bunch and then they do like a weird sunset ride together. Yeah. And they, they do the, uh, the, uh, drive through LA from Valley girl. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This leads, did you talk about the confrontation? Yeah, well, yeah, but they're like, hey, Michelle yeah. Pfeiffer, you're my lady. And Laura Luft is like, uh, I thought I was your lady. I'm a little confused. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it is weird in that the gang has, like, a supportive lady gang, and the there's a, exactly the right number of people, but they seem to switch partners for a while. Yeah, they just swapsies. But it's like everybody tries everybody on and then they settle into their choice. Yeah, it is. It is weird. Uh, then we find out that Michelle Pfeiffer has failed her Shakespeare paper and needs some tutoring. Mm-hmm. So, of course, the very smart uh, British Michael, uh, he knows everything about Shakespeare, as it were. And so they have a little bit of a tutor. Well, he's been writing everyone's essay. He's literally doing all the school's homework right now. Yes, he is. He's certainly doing all of the T-Bird he's, and Pink Lady homework. Like, the only essays that the teacher's reading are his. So they go to the diner to do some Shakespeare learning, and Michelle Pfeiffer gets the saddest hamburger we've ever seen on the pod. Yeah, it's really, really bad. This whole this whole diner really sucks. Yeah, and then goes on a monologue about no ketchup on a hamburger. Right. It's weird. She says they never put ketchup on even when you ask, which is, like, odd. And then when I mean, he orders a hamburger... I will they- say that they never give me my mayo when I ask for it at the drive-thru. Well, that's probably not... I mean, that doesn't surprise me at all. It's on my receipt. It says, like, plus mayo packet, and then it never shows up. Yeah. Well, you gotta check the bag. If you make a special request, you gotta check the bag. They ask... I I say I want chicken nuggets, and they say, what sauce? And I say mayo, and they say, you want what? And I say mayo, and they're like, okay, and this is plus mayo packet. I, today, this is tangentially related at best, but I bought a six-pack of beer, and I took it home, and I was taking it out of the six-pack, and one of the beers was a different beer. Oh, that's weird yeah yeah is it also a good beer i mean it's fine but it was just like oh what's this it has a very similar label i wonder if it was a mistake like where the mistake happened Hmm. um so the t-birds are driving their motorcycles on some really bad green screen yeah it's it's hilariously bad it'd be like me doing it at home with iMovie it's like it's like alfred hitchcock green screen driving Yeah. yeah rear projection like of the olden days for sure yeah 
Uh, and this is where Johnny decides he and Michelle Pfeiffer are over, and she's like, okay, fine. That that works for me, because I... This is what I've been trying to get at for an hour. I dumped you. How... Also, how long is this movie? Like, time-wise? An hour. Oh, it seems like several months. Yeah, I, it's unclear, like, what time... Like, does it start on the... It starts on the first day of school. Literally starts on the first day of school. The and ends at a luau. Be, the talent show cannot be before October. So their luau is in, like, September? Maybe. No, 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 no. No, I'm saying the, the luau would be, like, November, December. No, the luau is right after the talent show. It's the two people who win the talent show are the king and queen of the luau. So I was saying the talent show cannot be before October. Oh, so you think, okay. Um, like it, they got to go to school for a bit before they start doing stuff. Not in movie world, I guess. Um, he tells her she has to br- give her jacket back if she's, you know, not going to, if you won't fuck me, you have to give back your pink satin jacket. Right, right. Uh, then we go to the high school where there's communal silverware, which just even not in today's covid world that's just seems so gross to me wait communal like they're sharing forks like i mean i mean there's metal at the high school there's bins of metal silverware oh the way you said it i was like wait do all the t-birds share a fork (laughs) yeah they all very weird they all feed each other (laughs) i was like i missed the part where michelle pfeiffer is like fighting for the fork to eat her lunch with (laughs) michelle pfeiffer's like hey i gotta eat my salisbury steak (laughs) pass me the knife i need the the knife back you already had it and then the little girl in the cardigan's like i'm stuck with a slotted spoon (laughs) yeah a grapefruit spoon um she keeps cutting her mouth (laughs) she's like she's like she's she's eating an otter pop yeah she's got like blood running down the corners of her mouth like a vampire she's like okay keep keep using the grapefruits to eat my pudding uh and then (laughs) also in the fiction we've established that this group of people has a knife a fork a spoon and also a grapefruit spoon (laughs) I know, I like the visual. Uh, and then we get the goddamn cheer up Charlie of this movie. Yeah. Which is saying yes. something. I literally wrote, oh, now the boring ballad has to happen. So that's the thing. I will give you the boring ba- ballad on Broadway when it is serving a functional purpose, which is we need to get three minutes of time for the leads to change. Or something akin to that. We have to change a set. We have to do a thing. I don't want the boring ballad in the movie. I don't. You're not. You're so much time to fix this. It's sort of. Well, like, I will say uh, the argument against that is cabaret, which in the movie added a kind of ballady. It's like a mid-tempo, but more ballad, maybe this time, which is Sally Bowles being like, oh, maybe this time I won't be a fuck up and ruin my life. And it's a beautiful moment. But it doesn't. Well, that's not a cheer up Charlie then. I know, but it is like a it is a ballad. It is like a I'm I'm not saying I'm not saying you can't have ballads. I'm saying you can't have the cheer up Charlie ballad. Okay. But I was saying the they, they literally ballad. wrote it for the movie and then put it in the stage production. That's fine. The cheer up Charlie ballad is clearly the song in the Broadway show that is killing time for something to get happened, as is this song. So if it's a good ballad, stick them in there. I'm happy to listen. So I was I was doing my usual drag queen Disney bingo, and her guest was talking. It was also a musical theater person. She was a, another queen, and she was talking about how she was like when uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory opened in the West End. 
she was like, it didn't have pure imagination. And I was like, that's awful. And she goes, and it didn't have cheer up Charlie. And I was like, good. That's yeah, that song can fuck worst, off. That is, that is the worst song in any movie that I've ever and seen. And then she honestly. goes, so when they transferred it to Broadway, they listened to the critiques and put both of them back in the show. And I was like, why would you do that? I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, Mom used to fast forward it even. Like yeah. I didn't know about Cheer Up Charlie until I was older. <laughs> in it Trip's was like, version of Charlie, yeah, Emily there was no the Cheer Up Charlie. Factory. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There, it was like you know I've talked about it before, but like the first few times I watched The Breakfast Club was on cable, and I didn't understand why they all got introspective and nice to each other. And then much, much, much later, I was like, oh, they're very high. <laughs> yeah, they're they're stoned out of their mind. Um, so yeah. also, it's so weird that it's a talent show and not the prom. And, that, like, it doesn't serve any practical purpose. Like, it'd be one thing if the person had a... Re- like, it's a musical. Everybody's already singing anyway. So it doesn't... It's not like you needed to get an excuse for Michelle Pfeiffer to sing like you would in, like, a... I don't know, like a Mean Girls or something if they were yeah. building... Like, they don't do that in that movie. But were they to do that? It's just so bizarre that that's why they... That's what they built this around. So I forgot this fact, but I'm going to tell it to you now. Uh, this movie was intended to be the second of four Grease movies... Mm-hmm. And a TV show. Mm, that's a that's like an extended universe. Yes, they were intended to make the Grease cinematic universe. When this movie uh, took a big old poop on the box office, they canceled everything. But then Disney, as is wont to do, picked its way through the wreckage, picked up the script for Grease three, and do you know what they did with that? Is that High School Musical? It is High School Musical, which people like, right? High School Musical is is well regarded i haven't seen it in a long time but um i remember it it i've seen clips and it holds up surprisingly in the same way that like maybe the halloween mistake was maybe the mistake was starting this movie without a script and having a fully produced script for the sequel yes exactly um yeah so so it's the night of the talent show the t-birds chase cool rider and he jumps a cliff and yeah, he takes a death leap. I'm so confused. It's like in, um, is it Killer Clowns where the guy's trying to do a jump and fails or the Blob remake? Maybe it's the Blob remake. I don't remember it in Killer Clowns. Then I think yeah. it's probably the Blob remake. Yeah, it's this weird, for some reason, a death defying jump and then Michelle Pfeiffer is like despondent that he's dead now. It's such a bizarre tone for this movie to have. And then smash cut to the talent show right and the t-birds capture the doo-wop group and just tie them up in the shower and turn it on weird while this weird green suited weirdo is singing trying to sing like elvis yeah it's it's bad it's actively very bad and then we get lorna love walking around like roxy hart meets sally bowles and it's great Right, and then they get on stage, and it turns into this bizarre dream sequence for Michelle Pfeiffer, where, like, I can't tell what the kayfabe is. Well, she does her full song. They do the full springtime for Hitler that they basically perform, which is a girl for all summers, or seasons. Seasons, yeah. Where they they come out and, like, I'm I'm March, and she's, like, a giant clover, and then she's, Mm. like, I'm December, and she's a full-on Christmas tree. Like, it's Mm. very bizarre. And then Michelle Pfeiffer just stops singing and sings another bummer ballad. About, like, the dead motorcycle man. Yeah. Also, Winter's costumes are the most horrifying because it's one girl's belly is painted like a 
like a president's face and the rest of her costume mm-hmm. is a coin. So she's like doing that like belly, that tummy like in out thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the president's face. Yeah. And then the other girl is <laughs> she's sitting in a champagne flute with fake legs dangling over the side. It's just nonsense. Also, where and when and how did they create all these props? What was the budget? They created so 12, 12 individual costumes. Right. Um, so the dream sequence is about how the motorcycle guy's dead, and it's very weird and sad. And we get the they white win, chase of variant of Michelle Pfeiffer and Cool Rider. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Packed one per case. Uh, and then they win, of course. So they they a crown a boy winner and a girl winner for some reason, even though they competed yeah. in groups, not as individuals. And it seemed like both the T-Birds and the, the the Pink Ladies were in this big number. It's very strange. Yeah, but the, but the Pink Ladies were also in the T-Birds number. Yeah, I don't know. Um, So they're crowned king and queen of the Luau. And I, I was like, oh, cool. This movie needs more stuff. Mm-hmm. And we smash cut to a luau. The middle boy dancer is dressed like me. Yes, he very much was. White shorts, tied up shirt, white shoes. It's my summer Luke. Then the they're all wearing great Hawaiian shirts. I should point that out. Except for Michelle Pfeiffer's in like a gray sweatshirt. And I wrote <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer half-assing her luau is a whole ass mood. It looks like she came from gym class or, or like she got someone spilled Kool-Aid on her and she had to get the sweatpants from the nurse's office. <laughs> They're like, oh, we got this, I guess. And there's also then, a weird above ground pool at school. Right, right. But then this motorcycle gang shows up and like they've never established what the conflict is. Just that like these two groups don't like each other. So a bunch of full grown men on motorcycles interrupt a high school talent show luau. Well, you also missed the part where uh, they're like, we now announce the king and queen and a fleet of shirtless, hunky men carry Michelle Pfeiffer. They're like wearing loincloths. It's like six or seven dudes wearing loincloths. Carry Michelle Pfeiffer and Johnny across the lawn, up the wall, up the up the pool stairs and then carry that like walk their like floaty into the pool. Right, it's some real Beetlejuice stuff. What is happening? Right, right, it's bizarre, beyond bizarre. But then the motorcycle gang shows up, and then the mysterious stranger comes and, like, chases away the the gang of motorcyclists and leads to, like, two of them get thrown into the pool somehow, and then the, the leader of the gang gets knocked into the pool with the twin girls and then everybody just is like, well, I guess that problem's solved. I guess they're defeated. She's not the Wicked Witch of the West. Right, if they don't melt in the pool, and then also I we didn't mention we kind of talked about it before, but like that poor teacher had the nervous breakdown is here, and he falls in the pool. He doesn't fall. He walks in. He walks up the stairs and then keeps walking into the pool while then the principal is like still talking to him. It's so weird. And then of course, like Michael reveals himself, and everyone's like, "Oh my god!" And the T Birds start out angry, and then they're like, "Actually, we want you to be in the gang. Give him a jacket." So he's already wearing a leather vest, and he puts the leather jacket over his leather vest. Right. It's a real Triple H attire. There's a two-minute unbroken shot with no underscoring of Michelle Pfeiffer popping his collar and kissing Mm -hmm. him. It Mm -hmm. is the longest, slowest, awkward kiss. And I just wrote, if you don't shut up, if you don't hurry up and give me your (laughs) knockoff, we go together pair, like, already, I'm going to lose my mind. And then they end it on a ballad. Right. 
Yeah, it's not a fun... Like, you want to send people home singing. They definitely weren't singing on this. And then they do the cheesy, like, everybody jumps to the camera, and then they sign their yearbook photo. They are the most unflattering photos I've ever seen. They're so... Well, it's like uh, the camera angle is up everyone's nose. But and it, it's like it's it's clearly they did one try of this. Like everyone got Absolutely one take because I was like that dude's blurry. Michelle Pfeiffer's head's like behind his hand. Like what's right. happening? It seems like they actually did a freeze, a still from the film, not a, an actual photo. Yeah, like they didn't want to pay for a photographer too. Well, so no, because you see them running and jumping, and then they freeze. Right, but normally what you would do is like have someone shooting action photos next to your video you know yeah recording. that's true not on Greece too though we do not have the budget anyway that's that's the end of the movie it ends with them signing their yearbook photos uh final thoughts <sighs> i mean I, again i guess it's sort of like i didn't like Greece one so i probably like Greece two is not for me right right but i also don't know who Greece two is for i was just gonna say Greece two is not for anybody <laughs> like who think. is it it's made like, for Right. It's it's you have it's it's basically the idea of and, and like I have this brain disease where so we just watched I know what you did last summer. Oh my wait, are you curious? Are you We literally yeah, just watched this on Saturday. Yeah, I watched it last night. It's on uh Shutter right now, or it was at the time of the recording. But um first of all, that movie super duper holds up. It was way more fun than I remember. Yes. I liked it a lot. But complicated I watched but it. yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I enjoyed that movie a lot. And I was like, oh, man, maybe I should watch the sequel. And I know the sequel sucks. Like, I've seen it. It's bad. Mm-hmm. And I was like. The sequel is the one well, where they pretend there were, she gets tricked for the. The radio content. Yeah, she's like, oh, this the capital of somewhere is Buenos Aires. And they're like, you yeah. won. And no one of her friends. So, But I'm saying, like, it is for the people like me for whom if you like the first thing, any more of it is sometimes just what you want. And, like, both of us have seen all these Friday the 13th and all these Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Know, I mean, we've done podcasts on them. But it's not like we hadn't seen them before. But I think it's just the same idea of, like, to certain crowds of people, there's, like, you know, a decent uh, return on investment in, like, watching the bad sequel. That's true. I guess, to me, it's just, like, it feels like there's so much more effort that goes into making a musical sequel than, like, a Friday the 13th sequel. Really? Like, you need to have a composer and a lyricist. Oh, you're absolutely right, but they barely spent any money on this, and clearly they didn't have a script written, so I think they just avoided a lot of that. Yeah, well, the they decided that the choreographer from the first movie was going to be their director, and she was like, I was really nervous because I found out that the, uh, the composer and lyricist weren't returning, and Olivia Newton-John and John Travolta weren't returning, and I was very nervous. No, as she should be, because uh, it's not very good. I'm proud of Michelle Pfeiffer for still having a great career after this movie. Yeah, I mean, Christopher McDonald did too, so it wasn't it wasn't just her. He did? He's been a working actor for like 40 yeah, years. Yeah, but like... So I would say... Okay, great career, maybe whose not. Whose name do you remember? <laughs> like, whose name do you know? He, I mean, I think a lot of people know who Shooter McGavin is, so I think you're underestimating a little bit here. Shooter McGavin, yeah, fine. but no, I meant the, what's his face? The guy, the main guy. Oh, I said Christopher McDonald. Oh, I'm sorry, no, it, whatever. Like, the the sec- the B players in this movie, whatever. Lorna Luft was in this movie. Um, but I mean, like, the two leads, like, Michelle Pfeiffer should have not had a career after this movie, but for all intents and purposes. I mean, I, I think you're totally right. Um, but I would not recommend this. I'm guessing the same for you. I mean, 
if you're doing like a like a gay movie night, sure. The only problem is it's so long; it's hard to recommend. If you fast forward through a handful of the, if you skip a handful of the songs, right? That's the thing. The songs aren't fun enough to warrant sitting through the rest of it because it's not. It's just not that entertaining. Like to me, if you cut, um, if you cut the cafeteria cheer up Charlie and you cut her ballad at the show, and frankly, you cut the ending. Like they kiss and you just turn the movie off. Like cut four songs, your movie's twenty minutes shorter. With that. I would agree with that. I, I, but yeah, I don't, I don't recommend this one. Uh, I hope it was a fun podcast episode though. Certainly one of the longest we've had for a while. So yeah. certainly good dis- conversation starter. Um, thank you so much for listening to the show. You can find more of us at dissecting the eighties.com on Twitter at dissect the eighties and at facebook.com slash dissect the eighties. As we mentioned up top, we have some really cool stuff over at patreon.com slash dissecting the eighties. There's a bunch of different tiers where you can support the show. So if you like us, do that. And since I haven't done it in a while, hey, how come you haven't reviewed the show yet? Go review the show, you lazy bones. Come on. It takes 30 seconds. Open your podcast app and hit the rating button. Jeez Louise, haven't we done anything for you? But seriously, uh, they just recently did a huge roundup of, of movie podcasts on iTunes, and things like reviews help with that. So... Review the show if you haven't. We read those on the air, and it helps really. It really does help to spread the word about the show. So we would appreciate it if you did that. Tweet our show at celebrities like Leah Thompson. Sure, don't <laughs> harass anyone though. Like, let's not be. Obnoxious. Well, I mean, if someone's like, "Hey, I need a podcast." No, that's fine. I'm just saying, don't harass Leah Thompson on our behalf. I don't want to sick listeners on Leah Thompson. I like her. Uh, anyway, thank you so much for listening to the show. Uh, we will be back in two weeks with Tom's pick of They Live, and then over on the Patreon at some point this month, we haven't that put a date a up yet, two, but like, we'll have an episode. The Grease and They yeah, Live is, is such a great combo. Like, yeah. duo. And we've got uh, Adventures in Babysitting coming to the Patreon, so uh, go go check that out and jump on the Patreon. You'll get that sometime this month. We'll, we'll announce a date when we have it, but that'll be June 15th for they live which i am very excited to talk about so me too a movie that i like very much um thanks again for listening i have been trip lano i will always be andrew lano until next time don't you forget about me dissecting the 80s is a chum some of this production Ow.